0: You're listening to Extemporaneously, a podcast all about the job search and how to communicate effectively once you get that job. This week on the podcast, I sit down with Danielle Oakes and we're diving deep into the realities of the job search. Danielle was in Korea when the pandemic first hit, so she decided it was time to go home. And when she started her job search in the States, it became clear that this time, things were gonna be different. To make matters more complicated, After a little bit of soul searching, she was determined to make a pivot and jump into a completely new career. As a friend and cheerleader for her over the last couple of months, I've seen her journey on this hunt, and when she landed the job of her dreams, I just knew we had to sit down and talk about her perspectives as a job seeker, what worked, what didn't, and the emotional roller coaster that a lot of different recruiting processes put her through. Danielle's pragmatism, determination, and vulnerability is something that I really admired. And that's why I really enjoyed this chat. You don't want to miss it. Here's my chat with Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to Extemporaneously.
1: Hi, Marco. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
0: I wanted to chat with you because you have been a job seeker in the times of COVID all the while trying to also transition careers and pivot into a completely new industry. That's tough on its own during regular times, let alone during a pandemic. So (laughs) that's something I really wanted to explore with you and just get your experiences on because I think there's a lot of people out there who are either job searching, but there's also a lot of people out there that I think are doing some soul searching and deciding or realizing that Maybe it's time for a change and to do something that they love. So I think this will be a really timely episode for for everyone. I hope so. (laughs) Why don't you start by telling everyone a little bit about your background and your history leading up to today?
1: All right. So I come from a business background, studied that in college and worked an entry-level business job out of college. And from there I decided to go to teaching abroad. So I taught English in Korea for a total of three years, one year at the elementary level and then two years at the at the college level. And following that came home amidst the height of the pandemic. But as you said, yeah, it it added a layer to my job search and it was far more grueling than I thought it would be previously finding jobs. It it didn't ever take like too long, maybe maybe like a couple of months. So when I got home and my mom was like, okay, yeah, so what are you going to do? And I was like, yeah, mom, don't worry about it. Like I'll get a job. It's not going to be that difficult. But yeah, no, I was definitely wrong about that. It was way more difficult than I thought with record high unemployment rates. Uh, and then of course the job transition also. So transitioning from just one year business experience as an account executive um, and business development and then to teaching for the bulk of my you know adult career thus far and then transitioning from that to customer success was a journey.
0: Yeah, I know that that has been something that we've talked about in terms of your journey and your want to move into customer success. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's something that's near and dear to my heart, knowing that that's something that I've also a part of. I know that you mentioned earlier that job hunting changed because of COVID and it was very different than the expectations that maybe you had walking in to this round and trying to find a job when you got back to America. What changed and how was this different than your previous job searches?
1: All right. I think that customer success as a field, like as a role, an opportunity um, is expanding. And experiencing a lot of growth there, with like so many companies um, opening up their teams and um, and making that like a focal point of. Um... Okay, wait, hold on. There are you okay? Let me let me start over. So I think that on top of record high unemployment rates. There's just so many people interested in customer success and want to transition into this field and like work in the tech industry because customer success isn't a highly, highly technical role that is more reliant on like your soft skills. I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, I can, I can like make this transition. There's so many people who want these jobs, and so the competition w- was quite fierce.
0: Yeah, I, I also think just in general, the profession of being in customer success has been in this journey of evolution, right? Every company, every vertical, is trying to figure out what it means for them and over the last decade that like, I've been in CS it's become very apparent that it, this is one that's going to stick around and more people are seeing value in having a team that's very customer oriented mm-hmm. and and so that buzz is permeating I think into other people who go oh I have the transferable skills to do this job well
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: think you somewhat fall into that category in addition to personal passions and, and your ambition to, to be in the, in the profession. Tell me a little bit about why, like for you, why do you want to pivot into a new profession at all, uh, let alone CS?
1: Yeah, as you said, I, I am one of those people. <laughs> and as I was thinking about what my next profession was going to be, I knew teaching was not my long term career. And I honestly never really thought customer success was going to be an opportunity for me, just because you're really the only person I knew who was in customer success, and I just like, <laughs> look up to you so much. <laughs> so I was just like, "How can I be like him?" But back when I was in AE, I did always have my eye on customer success and saw that as uh, a position that I felt that was suited to me and I felt like I would thrive in that role. Naturally, thinking about my experiences, not in customer success, but working with customer success professionals and then thinking about my teaching experiences, I began just looking, just doing simple Google searches and looking at job descriptions just to see and scope out what the possibilities might be. I was like, okay, well, you know, I have one year business experience in sales, and then I have the three years of teaching experiences. I'm sure there's some way that I can spin this to highlight my transferable skills from those experiences that that I've had. I, yeah, just began to like draw the parallels between teaching and customer success. And it was, it evolved over the six, seven months that I was searching. When you boil it all down, customer success is building relationships with people for the sake of helping them.
0: I think when you were first exploring this as an option for yourself, we had talked about you having a lot of those skills and that you would be great in CS. Personally, I knew that that was going to be the case. It was the challenge... I think for you and anybody else hoping to transition into any career is how you map out what you've done before and how it relates to where you're hoping to go next. With your experiences in sales, in teaching, and anything else in between, I know you've done things like, you know, you've written your own blog, like you've done a lot of really cool things. How did you? reframe your skills or your career stories to make it more applicable to a CS hiring manager? What did you try to do to, to combat what I think would have obviously been an objection or a reservation in the interview process?
1: Yeah, great question. In the beginning, I wasn't so good at doing this. Along the way, I, I picked up various ways in which I could prove that I was already doing the job in previous roles. One of the things that I did was on my resume and my cover letter, any place where I would have been apt to use the word students, I replaced that. So (laughs) that was one mind trick that I used. And then I also, from just like my own self-study, scouring blogs, listening to podcasts, and then eventually investing in customer success courses, I uh, was able to pick up a lot of the, the terminology, the processes, the verbiage, everything customer success related. So I was able to tailor my resume and cover letter in a way that incorporated that vocabulary into my prior experiences. So for example, um, instead of saying I introduced my students to key concepts and established the rules for each session, I-, I instead said something like onboarded 15 to 20 students per quarter. That's just like a small example, but at my institute, like we called each segment we called each segment sessions I just automatically started calling all of them quarters instead just like a tiny example of how I translated my experiences
0: yeah I know that if there's a couple things in there that I think is really important for anyone that's thinking about a career transition one is you have to be all in if you're invested in that decision There's a lot of work that goes into that. You need to know the Mm -hmm. industry. You need to know the lingo. You need to be entrenched in that conversation. One of my favorite interview questions when I'm interviewing people who are joining our team at Inkbox, it's very I I legitimately ask them like, "What's a brand that you think has superior customer experiences and why?" Mm -hmm. And if for anybody else who maybe isn't thinking about things in that lens, they don't have an answer, Mm -hmm. right? And your idea of generalizing your experiences a little bit, I Mm -hmm. think is one that people don't think about. I think one example that we even talked about when we were thinking about your resume a little bit Mm -hmm. was instead of saying things like, you know, taught students X, Y, and Z, it was you were introducing new concepts to an audience that maybe isn't familiar with technical information. So even things like that, generalizing it, making it more applicable and more segmented to the industry that you're in, I think is a really big piece of it that people don't think about, you know?
1: Yeah. No, and I remember another thing that you helped me with was in my prior role, I, I helped with sort of standardizing more of our curriculum. And I remember you encouraged me to say that I was part of like creating the processes and playbooks for for the institute.
0: Yeah, it's these minor reframes, right? To make it very evident that you have the transferable skills. I think hiring managers look at tasks as tasks sometimes and Mm -hmm. they only have a couple minutes to look at your resume and cover letter and so the easier you can make it to say these are the concepts these are the skills that i leveraged i think the better right yeah i want to ask you a little bit about the state of affairs in hiring today i know as you were going through the job search you were put through the ringer, all different types of hiring processes, all different steps and everything in between. And at times, that was very frustrating or demotivating. And I can, yeah, relate to that in a lot of ways. I remember being in that place as well. Tell me a little bit about specific things that you either liked or disliked in companies' hiring processes today as you were going through that job hunt
1: it was definitely the multi-step interview process was definitely new to me and that's one thing that in a lot of ways i liked and in a lot of ways i didn't like i think in the end i do i do appreciate it because it does feel like i worked really hard to get the role that i did get um but uh i mean obviously the downside of it is that it it elongates the process to being like at least three weeks, more times, like a month or longer. The entire process, it's a lot of waiting around and interview prepping intensively, researching the company and investing all of this time into a process that you obviously don't know the outcome. And so you're sort of putting your blind faith and trust in the process. But at the same time, you know, it's important to continuously work on other applications just because you can't like rely on one process to go the way that you want it to go. Um, And, you know, most of the time it's not going to go the way that you want it to go. And that was like a hard reality for me to learn. I think just because so much has changed in the landscape of interviewing and hiring in business, Since I was last in in business, which was back in like 2015, and so I yeah I just was not like used to this process, and I had to like wrap my mind around it and be like, all right, I'm diving in, and I'm not gonna not gonna quit until until something lands.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember even when you had received an offer. You were still in the process of the final stages of, for another company, mm-hmm. and we had a discussion mm-hmm. about whether or not you should continue putting effort towards the one that you were still considering, or they were still considering you. And my thoughts on the matter were until you have paperwork, until you've signed the dotted line, you continue putting that effort in, and that's sometimes really hard when you're like in that when your mindset has shifted almost right i'm curious as you were going through these processes do you feel like you were able to also learn to make some decisions based on what you were learning through that interview process so oftentimes as a job seeker you're very focused on I'm going to these interviews, panel interviews, I'm doing projects, I'm meeting hiring managers, I'm meeting team members. And it's all in this thread of wanting to impress. In those multi-step processes, did you feel like you also got a chance to understand whether or not that company or that position was right for you? And what was that experience like?
1: I think I didn't feel like I was in a position to really do that because I was just grateful for like any interview, any opportunity, especially towards the beginning half of my search. I would say in the second half of my search, after I had invested more into my own self-study and taking courses, and then ultimately at the end when I had a couple of opportunities going at the same time, I felt a little bit more empowered to take that step and and ask questions, um, to to get more of an idea of, of. Of like the the culture at each place and the specific role and what my responsibilities would be, so for example, in my most recent interviews, I did ask about diversity, equity, and inclusion, especially with everything going on in our world. Mm-hmm. I felt that it was important. For me to hear out what they're doing, to be more conscientious of DE&I at their company and, and just sort of wanted to know what opportunities there might be to get involved with these initiatives or, or be on committees or have conversations. That's something that's, that's really important to me. And I know it's very important to so many. The one thing I will say is that I definitely try to reframe my mind from like a me to a we kind of mindset. I think that it's really easy to lose sight of that and and obviously we all are thinking about ourselves in in the job search, but I think one thing that helped me maybe stand out in in interview processes and and be a late stage candidate a handful of times was doing whatever I could to show them that like I had their best interest in mm-hmm. mind also. And that I wanted to help drive impact and contribute to their company and their, their initiatives and their customers, their customers' customers as much as possible. And that's just a little golden nugget, I guess I would just drop in there for anyone who is job job searching or thinking about a transition. Um, and in my mind, I guess that's kind of related because I definitely tried to frame a lot of my questions to companies from that perspective.
0: Mm, I, I think that's such a important point because it's not you or them. It is about figuring out how and if you would work harmoniously and effectively together. And the more you can entrench yourself in their shoes and show that you're already having their best interests at heart, like there's no reason why a hiring manager should have objections about who you are. Right. And, mm-hmm. but I also think that's why you would make such a great CS professional, because that that's very much how a CS person should be thinking about, right? Regardless of whether or not it's a hiring manager or a client, you're walking in with their best interests at the Mm -hmm. forefront. And I think when you can demonstrate that and show them that you're ahead. And it doesn't surprise me that you were so far into the hiring cycle for so many different opportunities like that that says something about your capabilities. So that's amazing. Yeah. Is there anything that you would change in the way that companies or hiring managers should be thinking about recruitment just based on your experiences on the job market recently?
1: I think that the processes where I felt really supported were ones that were very tight with their communication. The more that hiring managers and recruiters try to see like the human in people, the more candidates will feel appreciated and Mm. impressed by their processes there's one interview process in particular where I just feel like they already had like an image in mind of the type of person that they would have wanted to hire it was definitely my least favorite (laughs) interview experience just because for the sole reason that I, I don't think she saw me at all Mm. Um, and she didn't even care to. And that to me left, definitely left a negative taste in my mouth. I would say every other interview process I went through, I did feel like they they made an effort to provide a good candidate experience. And, and these days with so many ATSs out there, um, and many of them stressing an unbiased hiring process, I think that more companies are trying to be aware of this. And I would just say to keep leaning into that because that's that's really important.
0: You bring up a lot of really thoughtful comments, one of them being this humanistic quality and how to inject that into the recruiting process. I think it was with Catherine on the podcast a couple episodes ago where she talks about As a hiring manager, it's your job to make people feel comfortable enough to share their stories with you. It's whether or not you can develop that rapport, because that also is an indicator of whether or not the other person would be happy working with you. And it's really important to keep that at heart, I think. But I also wanted to touch upon your comment. I think it was a challenging question for anybody to answer. But I think it's also really important for job seekers to be vocal about what makes a good candidate experience because of that power dynamic that's different. And the only way that we can get to where I think you were talking about, where companies are leaning into new ways of doing or new ways of thinking, is to have these thoughtful conversations about what it means to have a good candidate experience and how does it make people feel. And so that's why I asked the question, because I think it, it actually is a, a very important thing that I don't think a lot of people talk about. We talk about it from an HR perspective or a people in culture perspective, mm-hmm. but rarely do we go back to the candidates or the people who are interested in joining you and going like, what was that like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, um, I think that... I think that not having any control or any like power in in any sort of decision that's being made definitely sort of makes you feel or makes me feel like more timid and and uncomfortable with wanting to share right um but as you said I mean it's important we're the one we are the candidates in the experience and more and more companies now are trying to trying to be more thoughtful about that with like surveys and, and so forth.
0: Now that you've landed somewhere successfully, congratulations mm-hmm. again.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Looking back, what was the most challenging part of this job search cycle that you've been through?
1: the easiest way for me to talk about this is like the larger theme at hand. And I mean, you know me, we're very similar in this way. I mean, we both love our tarot and I've always been a very avid dreamer. And I like to like think about my dreams and analyze them. And throughout these six, seven months, I would say the majority of my dreams have been ones where i am totally not in control of the situation just being overpowered either by nature or by other people and just like that feeling of helplessness mm. and so i think that definitely speaks to like the biggest challenge of the job search was was just that feeling of like i i cannot do anything the power is not in my hands i have no control over the outcome And I just sort of have to let fate take its course. (laughs) Mm. And that's really difficult for a lot of people. But I think the way that I tried to cope with that, especially after a rejection that I got in January from a company and, and I was so close to the end and I really, really wanted this job. The recruiter was so nice enough to call me and have a conversation with me about why they ultimately did not move forward with me and i had an experience with her where i was i was just like so overcome with emotion and my self regulation of my emotions was not very good i'm the first to admit that it was definitely an an error in in judgment i think it's really important to talk about these moments where we make mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're all human and mm-hmm. and it, it it was but it was a huge opportunity for me to learn too because in all of that emotion. And, and I was a little just, just like confused about why, like, why did this happen? I thought things were going well. I left that call being like, all right, I think I'm pretty sure it was like that day or the next day. And I was like, all right, I got to take some courses. (laughs) And that moment is, is embarrassing as it Was for me to be emotional on that call, it propelled me to make a pivot in my search and seek out more knowledge more than what blogs can offer and take Mm -hmm. courses and learn coding. So I took an an introductory coding course and I learned CSS, HTML, and JavaScript. And these are all skills that I really. Impress the opportunities that I had following enrolling in these courses and receiving these certifications. And most importantly, I learned a lot and I did have far more insight and understanding into why I did not get that role. And it's not that I didn't believe her. At the time, the reasoning was like, you did everything pretty good. Just a couple other candidates did things a little bit better (laughs) after learning more i was able to look back and be like okay these specific areas that she was pointing out i know exactly what she's talking about and like i i i know like i have this closure as to why it didn't work out but i mean i think it's just that growth mindset that's really important for yourself personally but then it's 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 like remarkably impressive to um other companies and that is something that they saw in me and, and they really appreciated that.
0: I, I think these are the moments that are the most insightful for people. It's what people need to hear are the shifts in paradigm or the shifts in perspectives that you've had. Because I, I was a cheerleader for you in the sidelines for mm-hmm. this process. And I, I noticed not only your philosophy or your approach to the job search evolving over time and the things that you were experimenting with or trying also changed but there was to your point also a very emotional side to it right there were Mm -hmm. really high highs and really low lows and that's yeah sadly part of the process but I think you coped with it really well and like anything professional thank you when you're emotional or stuck the best way to approach it at least from my opinion is to be pragmatic about it and i think that's exactly what you did it's been an interesting journey for for you and and for me to to see has been really really humbling like i don't know how to code <laughs> um and and you know, for you to proactively say like, these are things that I'm going to do to enhance my offering as a candidate and as a professional and to nourish myself with amazing skills. Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. I'm wrapping up every single episode. If you don't already know by asking my guests, what's your favorite interview story?
1: Yes, I do know that you wrap up every interview with this because I do listen to your podcasts and I'm a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I've thought about this a little, a little bit. The company that I ended up getting the offer from, at the end of my interview with the hiring manager, I had asked the question, Is there like at this point in time, is there anything else that I can do or any questions that I can answer that will prove that I am the right candidate for this job? And she was like, no, I think I have everything I need. And then she said to turn the tables back to you, though, I want to know if there's anything that you feel you haven't gotten to talk about or like we didn't ask. I just want to give you that opportunity to say anything else that you would like to. I just, I really appreciated that. And I've heard of other companies doing this too, or or other interviewers doing this also like turning the tables around. But um, I just think it really spoke to the, the culture that they foster there of like, of the two-way street and is exactly the, the the type of place I was looking for, and then also I think it, I think it really spoke to how much they cared to like get to know me, or how much they cared about me as a person, separate from me as a candidate.
0: What a great way to to wrap up! I love asking people this question because I think you start to see the the wide range of things that can come up. I actually had someone reach out to me because they were interviewing with one of my guests and said, (laughs) I listened to the podcast, listened to, you know, the part about favorite interview stories. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that the hiring manager, who was my guest, had recycled the question that he liked most in the interview and she said I I was prepared for it (laughs) because because that that was something that that came up in any case thank you so much Danielle for joining me today I always love talking to you we Mm -hmm. we talk through some really I think real moments and what it really is like and I think it's hyper relatable to a lot of people who obviously are still in the job search but I think it's also very inspiring for anyone who might want to explore career change. And we need people talking about what their experiences have been like. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being open and vulnerable and just sharing your story with me.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. And one last thing that I thought of, I just want to do an enormous shout out to, of course, you for like (laughs) all that you did for me throughout my job search. You were instrumental in in helping me and coaching me and 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 just like navigating the overall process so I'm really appreciative for you but then I also want to shout out people who are listening you'll know but just like you know everyone else out there um the the select people out there who who also were supportive and and helped me and gave me tips and and even people that so like to anyone out there listening. Networking is really important. Forming connections with people is really important and that is something that I implemented into my search as well. And um so like even people that I networked with on LinkedIn who like took the time to like have a call with me and share their advice and insight with me, I I appreciate it way more than you'll ever know. And I just only hope that I can um I can pay it forward to, to other people um, who are thinking about transitioning careers or, you know, later on in my career, when, when I have more to, more to offer, um, I just hope that I can pay it forward to other people too.
0: You already are. You already are. Thank you. And uh, FYI, I'm going to put what you just said, I'm going to snip it out. It's going to be on my testimonials page. <laughs>
1: of course Um, (laughs) credit bar and ride
0: (laughs) and and yeah thank you again danielle
1: it's always a joy to talk to you you are like one of my favorite people ever so thank you
0: likewise thank you (laughs) who doesn't love a little love fest at the end of an episode danielle is truly someone that is just so special she's grounded and truly has a heart of gold I was really struck by the story that she shared about her getting emotional with the recruiter. It's such a human moment and sometimes we forget that behind the merits and the metrics and the processes. It's about two people connecting in a process. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. Or if you want more content, follow me on LinkedIn, Marco Yim, or check out my website at extempra.com. We'll see you again next time where it's just going to be me and me alone. I'll see you there.